0: Hey everyone, this is our second interview on a fly over labs. Hope everyone is doing well today. Uh, today we have uh, Liz Eversole uh, with us, and she's the CEO of Solomo and the chairman of Meeper. Uh, thanks, Liz, for coming on the show.
1: You guys, pleasure to be here.
0: <laughs> and so I asked Liz to be on the show on the show because she's quite a good entrepreneur, and she's at the heart of uh, location intelligence and the programmable uh, robotics wave and so i'll let her tell you more about that of course and she before that she also has a very strong consulting background so she's a she's a perfect uh, interviewer for, or interviewee here at the flyover um, so maybe let's just get right into it uh, let, first we'll talk about the liz's background a little bit and then talk about um, her experience at solomo and more recently at meeper and just about innovation how she looks at it um, and any other amazing points Liz can bring up? <laughs> <laughs>
1: we'll do our, we'll do our best. Dave. Yes, that's right. <laughs>
0: No pressure. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Do you want to give us a, a little background, how you got to where you are now? Um, maybe, you know, not from birth, but, uh, post yeah. post college. <laughs> maybe just my career. Yes.
1: Yeah. yes. <laughs> um, so I, I am a comp sci major, so I did start out in a technical track as a programmer with uh, DuPont and Conoco. So I got lots of good experience with um, large uh, corporate IT and methodology and process and uh, also worked for other large companies like uh, TDS. And, uh, so, I spent a good part of my career in internal IT to so understand methodology and process and operations and all those kinds of things but um, I've always been fascinated by technology and how you can apply it to business, not technology for technology's sake. So uh, 2009, I started my first consulting business. So I ended up selling that a couple years later to Burby. Burby is a regional uh, value added reseller here in located in Madison and branched out to be most of the central region. And I built their Microsoft business and then Burby was sold to CDW and uh when, during that transition, then I took over the CDW software business, which was almost a billion-dollar business, $800 million in Microsoft, and then another $600 million in uh, other software. So I took over that business and built that to about $3 billion in four and a half years, um, and then sort of got the entrepreneurial itch again, and this was about the time, 2008, 2009, when cloud and mobile and social technologies were all just really sort of taking off, and it seemed to me sort of a perfect storm in technology and time to look at opportunities, and when you have those kinds of things, there's lots of disruption and innovation and opportunities that can present themselves, and I certainly didn't want to miss that wave, had accomplished a lot of things at CDW and Burby, and uh, it was time to now go back and start my own business again. So uh, I stayed a little bit longer at P D because they asked me to, but then uh finally left at the end of twenty uh ten, started still them all in middle of twenty eleven and uh started really doing uh just custom consulting, trying to figure out the mobile space and uh what companies needed. There was a lot of consumer activity at the time, but not a lot of real enterprise platforms around mobile and companies were hesitant to implement location technologies and they really didn't know how to manage sort of social identities and information and so those are kind of two cornerstones that we set out to solve with our platform. Um have stayed pretty true with that. Um as far as our uh location based marketing insights platform. We've spent a lot of time on privacy and uh trust and all those things in in our technology platform, uh, but have really taken the data to the next level and provided really great marketing insights. For companies. So, um, and then a couple years ago, I guess about a year ago, started a, a couple other small companies out of Whitewater with some economic development funds. One is Neeper, which is a, a Lego compatible toy that motorized toy that connects via Bluetooth to your smartphone. And so you can drive it around and control it and build all kinds of cool things on it. So, kind of an internet of toys. Type solution, and I have a couple other companies down there too. One's a mobile gaming company that you know sort of connects all your devices rather than you playing independently. And then uh, V2 leagues, which is a fantasy fantasy game. So if you play fantasy football, it's uh, actually in a fantasy world. So think about uh, drafting goblins and dwarfs instead of football players, and then playing leagues and games and stuff. Uh, those are some of the things I'm involved in.
0: Boston. Wow, that, that's quite a background. I, mean, I knew some of your background, but I didn't know all that uh, with uh, where you started your career and what you did at CDW. That's pretty impressive. Um, so- yeah, that was
1: a really good foundation the corporate world that I came from. Really good foundation for running a business. Uh, being fiscally responsible, building teams, all of those kinds of things were really great background for me.
0: No, I bet. And so how is a uh, how Solomo going and can you uh, just describe you know briefly kind of the technology behind it and maybe your uh, initial vision and then where you where is it today? So that that's multiple <laughs> questions, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll bring it all together. <laughs> yeah. So is going really well. There's, there's kind of two sides to our technology. One is analytics, which tells you about what's happening in a location, how many people are visiting, repeat visits, wells, et cetera. And then there's engagement side, and this side actually probably gets a little more pressed than what you're familiar with. So when you walk into, a, you know, the women's department, you're prompted with women's offers or offers in your favorite color or what have you. Um, we, we, our platform supports both sides of that equation. Uh, but what we found is that, you know, you have to start with the analytics. You have to start with understanding what's happening in your location. Um, we, we sort of went back and forth. We started out with analytics and then engagement got hot and so then people realized that you can only reach a small number of people via a mobile application versus understanding all of the behavior in your location with analytics. And so, um, we've stayed true to our initial vision, which was tried uh, location intelligence um, and enable location-based uh, experiences. So our platform provides both. But what we learned is we have really in the last probably year and a half focused a lot more on the marketing insights that come out of that, so you can make real business decisions and then uh, enhance the experiences. So um, and then an underlying piece of that is sort of the identity management, and the privacy, and the trust and My background in corporate IT, those things are really important. And also as a parent that, you know, we're giving away all of our identity information and not really getting value for that and not really knowing what's happening with that information. So we try to build in those things from the beginning into our platform as well. We're pretty close to our initial vision, just sort of... I think one of your questions you asked me in the, the pre-questions is what would we have done differently is maybe you know, stuck to our initial analytics path and insights and made that really rich and robust and sort of not followed the market wave of engagement so heavily.
0: That makes so. sense. And uh, and where do you kind of see... Do you, you know, five years down the road, you, where do you see this area headed? Are you kind of what you guys have been working on or do you... Um, just even uh, is it more maybe more, even more deployment because people have been talking about this for a long time but there's not a a lot of deployment out there um, right yeah where do you kind of see this area
1: yeah I, we believe that every location will have intelligence everyone will want to know what's happening in their location what's the behavior in their location um, and you'll want those insights and so we provide those now and we tie those back to Event marketing, did someone go to an event and then come to your location? Or we tie that back to uh, some of your online or your offline marketing. I sent out a mailer, and did that drive people into the pet food department or not? Um, marketers want that intelligence, and they're going to want it in every single location. And then from an operational standpoint, just staffing and efficiency and those things, Uh, we sort of call it the Google analytics for the physical world Hmm. today. You don't build a website without that intelligence and understand the behavior and do A/B testing and all those kinds of things. And that's what we enable in the physical space.
0: Yeah. That makes so much sense. I feel like every physical place should have this. What do you, what do you think the biggest barriers have been to adoption and do you see those going away? Um, Yeah, is it more technology-oriented or business-oriented, the the barriers?
1: Yeah, you you mentioned one of them, which is the infrastructure and just getting people to buy into that infrastructure. Um, But there's actually not a problem getting buy-in into the infrastructure if you have ROI. And so that's a lot of what we've spent time on, is uh, showing marketers that uh, we can do A-B testing, that when you go into a mall, we can actually tell you if you're getting the amount of traffic that the mall is telling you that you're getting. Um, so we can finally put real ROI and dollars behind the marketing insights and help them make real business decisions that um, either reduce cost or uh, can improve sales. And so ROI has been really the, the biggest thing that it's taken time to measure in this space. Um, and once you have that, I mean, I've been in corporate IT a long time. The cost of the infrastructure doesn't matter if there's a business justification. So... Um, so I think we're trying, first we're finally seeing uh, the benefits of that having the ROI and then people don't question so much the cost of the underlying infrastructure.
0: Gotcha okay. And to uh, show that ROI, uh, have you been working with uh, p- pilot customers? Uh, any chance you can uh, share any of the results or uh, I'm, I'm curious if what you found <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Yeah, we.
1: Uh, Well, I probably won't name names, but we're working in, in, you know, traditional retail and uh, the event space. And those are kind of tied together because many retailers or brands are doing events that drive you into your location. So in the event space, um, we've been able to measure and report back to exhibitors or back to show managers the actual traffic that uh, they're getting to their particular exhibits. We can show them the actual traffic within the whole show and that you could sell certain spaces for more money than you're selling them today because you're getting more traffic in those locations so they can start to monetize, um, their space and their show a little bit better in the, in the retailer space. And we've worked with a number of marketing agencies. We're actually able to give them our dollars. That one example is, you know, uh, bank ran a campaign to put pop-up stores in malls. The mall told them they would get traffic of 400,000 people over the weekend. We were actually able to show them they only got about 60,000 people to their location. So that is definitely something they can take back and say, you know, we need a better um, deal on the space that we're getting or we need to adjust this. But then we were also able to tell them that you know, you ran that campaign for four days in each of these locations. If you ran it for three days, you would essentially get 97% of the results that you got. So, reduce your cost of your campaign by 25, 25%, and still get 97% of the benefit. Interesting. So, yeah. That's a that
0: that's intelligent <laughs> location, but uh, <laughs> So, with that one, you are tracking uh, anonymous people, right? So. It sounds So with your technology, you can track anonymous or people. Let's say you have the, the Target app, and then you can actually know that this is Dave Cruz walking through Target. Is that is that is that right? Is that how you uh, did that one project?
1: Yeah, there's there's three levels. And uh, anonymous analytics, those are all the examples that I just gave you. So we can provide all that information without having to have an application on the consumer's phone. So there's such rich intelligence that we haven't even started to tap just with anonymous analytics, and anonymous analytics will get you about 70 to 80 percent of the consumers in your location. So really high uh, from a marketing perspective to understand that behavior from that large of uh, a population. Um, so that has been really beneficial. Where they have no insights today, and they have they have no data about any of the behavior in the location. They're getting about 70 to 80 percent which then they can start making some real business decisions on. Whereas if you look at the engagement side, you know, you're doing well if you have over 30% uh, adoption of your application. So while you can get really rich insights and you can start to personalize information, um, as you were saying, this is Dave walking through the mall, he can give you certain information, but you're really doing that for a much smaller set of your customers. Okay. So we recommend you start with the insights, figure out the behavior, figure out how you want to change the behavior, and then there's lots of things you can do in your marketing campaigns to do that. It could be online, it could be offline, it could be mobile. Um, lots of ways to change that behavior, and then keep measuring that.
0: Interesting. And and can you do you have the capabilities to send uh, messages and or and tie into let's say the point of sale system or the Uh, Records for a company, so you can kind of tie that all together, or is that uh, ongoing?
1: Yeah, no, we do that in our insights platform, so we can uh, collect any sort of data. So we've integrated uh, POS data, any kind of sensor data, video sensor data, um, CRM data, and then start to do demographic data. So, like in some of the events, we can tell our customers um, how many women or how many men are there? What's the mood, um, of those folks? And we do that by augmenting our data with other data, like CRM or POS or video or what have you.
0: Interesting. And, and you say, what's the mood or, of the, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we have a lot of different sensors that we use. So BLE or Wi-Fi. we also have video ones. And, and then with video, you can, um, analyze that and get demographic data. So, uh, text and race and uh, mood and uh, those sorts of things.
0: Wow. Okay. I didn't know you had that too. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Basically, we can incorporate any, augment oh, with any data. We could add weather, right? And yeah, yeah. Right.
0: So, from a technology standpoint, I mean, of course, you always want to build more. Is there... Anything, any other tool or innovation out there that you really need in order to kind of achieve your vision, or it sounds like it's as much as business issues um, that are you know might hold out a rollout from a a potential client. Are there, is there any other technology that you're looking to create over the next uh, five years?
1: Yeah, so we feel really good about the platform we have. We've, uh, we're deploying it to hundreds of locations. We've deployed it to events that have hundreds of thousands of consumers or, or devices. So we feel really good about the, the scale and the reliability and the enterprise uh, nature of our platform. And we'd really just like to sell the heck out of it right now.
0: <laughs> yep, I <yep>. that. <laughs> <Not really
1: bad. laughs> <laughs> so we feel like we're there. We have ROI, we have good customer references, sort we have all those proof points now, which is great. Um and then there's lots of other things that we would like to continue to build into the platform. So when you do get to the engagement side, they're they're really um very compelling experiences and personal experiences that you can build once you have the insights and know the behavior that you want to um to encourage. So um, I think that's really exciting. We like to build in more tools to do those sorts of things. Uh, there's integration points that we've been asked to do for CRM or POS uh, or things like that, so those are on our roadmap as well. It really sort of becomes a marketing cloud sort of for your physical world, so kind of building out that vision um, and then marrying that up with your online cloud
0: Gotcha. That's exciting. I, I know it's a it's it's been a lot of work to get where you've been, but it sounds like you're in a, a very nice position now. Um, and I, I think yeah. I think consumers, well, they might be a little freaked out at first, but they'll also be, I think, pretty amazed by what the, that type of engagement will bring to an experience at an event or at a retail store, or at a party, wherever you might be. What you can all do, um, but that's uh, so. I'm excited for it, but. I guess I like most in technology. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but you can do a lot with anonymous that doesn't threaten the consumer, collects no personal or device, just to take data on them um, and really assist the business and marketing to to make better decisions and help increase revenue.
0: That's a good point. And you guys even, uh, I think you might scramble the MAC address too. For it. Uh, we do.
1: That's a lot of the the privacy that we've built in. We do have our own beacons and have built in and patented uh, some of the the privacy and the algorithms that we have. So um, that is a, a cornerstone of one of our one, just one of our basic tenants around the platform.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So we'll move off Solomo here soon and talk about me. But I mean, the last question is: You know what's been? I, mean, I probably. Uh, touch on this a little bit, but what's been one of the hardest parts of Solomo, um, you know, through through your adventures last, I guess, five years, or is it six years, five years now you've been working on it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, four. It'll be four years uh, that we've been working on the technology platform okay. in May. So, yeah, three and a half okay. on the technology platform. Um, but I think that the biggest thing is to really... To be on the leading edge is really hard, yeah. <laughs> right? And where there's 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 no product that exists. There's no ROI. People don't understand the value. It's not a critical solution for them yet because they don't understand it. Um, so you know, the last three years have really been about educating and having the market move and become more. Um, interested in and receptive to testing and trialing and seeing the value. And so that's really been, you know, the biggest uphill battle that technology is technology and we have, we have great engineers and architects and I always have confidence they'll solve whatever technical problems we come into. But, um, the bigger hurdle is really just getting enterprises to move and an enterprise sales cycle is long. Yeah, it's yeah. long yeah. anyway in an established space. It's 12 months and so it becomes, Eighteen months or more when you're talking new technology like this, so that's probably you know you have to have a lot of tenacity and endurance to keep keep after it
0: yeah, and that's a good way to put it and, and uh, so you one would argue like well, you we should wait longer, but the problem is you know if you if you guys have waited longer, then you know other companies would have passed you by technology wise now you're you know right in the the heart of location intelligence because you went through the pain of having to convince people of the ROI and build out the platform and work through the privacy issues. So yeah, what you guys are doing is quite interesting. So, well, thank you. so let's, uh, let's uh, t- move on to Meeper. We only have uh, so much time left, but I'm curious yeah. to hear a little bit more about Meeper. I know a little bit more about Solomove. So I'm curious to hear about Meeper and I'm I'm also curious how you got the name or who came up with the name Meeper. Yeah
1: um so one of uh one of my engineers this was something that he'd been thinking about for a long time even before he joined uh solomo and had prototyped some things and initially it was just a, a i shouldn't say just it was the technology with a ble sensor that you would give to a child and then uh if you got out of range of your parents then the parents phone would beep or meep which is where the name came from wow. um so it was, carrying of a BLE sensor to the phone for child locating. Um, and so that's originally what we were going to do. Uh, it was a B2C business, which Solomo is not a B2C business. And so um, so we started that independent of Solomo. And uh, as uh, Jim, my partner, got into it, uh, one of his kids, or his kid, Will, said, you know, He's a huge Lego enthusiast. He said, I wish my Legos would move. And Hmm. Jim then thought about this location technology and said I could take this DLE Hmm. sensor and put motors on it and then pair it to the phone in the same way that we would do a child-locating device and then control the device. And so we talked about it, and it wasn't a long conversation because Lego is the number one selling toy in the world. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And there wasn't a lot out there, you know, a year, year and a half ago, and so... Uh, so that's what we started, uh, Meeper, and uh, our first product is the Meeper Bot, which we did a one. that release on Indiegogo, and just finished up a 2 release on Kickstarter.
0: Nice, and when I want to get, have you give you a brief overview on Meeper and like exactly you know what it is. But before that, how do you come up with the these I guess these ideas, and then research them? Kind of what's your process to you know what Solomo you knew there's something, there's some potential in mobile. Then um, same thing with uh, Meeper. You, you knew that Lego is a big, uh, <laughs> big industry. But uh, so, how do you kind of take the leap? And you know, it's is, is it's is a it gradual steps, and then all of a sudden, like okay, this makes sense, or kind of what what's your thought process? Yeah. So
1: with SOMO I started the company. and took about a year of doing. Uh, consulting with enterprises on just their mobile apps or uh, some of their work in their IT shops and then, you know, found sort of these gaps and worked to understand why they weren't implementing this technology and then that's what we built our, our platform around. So there was sort of a need there. Um, and then with uh, NIEPR, uh the child location, you know, at the time, uh, there was a couple of them out there Uh if something was going to be a little different, as we all think our innovations are. Um, And then about the time where Jim's thinking about this Lego-compatible motorized toy, uh, there's just like a whole onslaught of lots of them coming out on Kickstarter or um, some of the bigger companies, the carrier companies, releasing these. And so um, it just got crowded really, really fast. And um, there was so much opportunity with the MEPR solution with form factors and digital experience and that uh, building a maker community. We also provide, you know, 3d print files so you can customize your, your per chassis. So there's just so much opportunity and a big, big market that um, that made a lot of sense for us.
0: Interesting. Okay. Right. And that makes a lot of sense, especially with the Solomo you you're out there getting feedback, right? Trying to see what makes sense, what doesn't make sense.
1: Uh, Yeah, and this is a lot easier market to get feedback in because you just hand it to a kid and they (laughs) go gaga. (laughs) (laughs) And the subject is about eight seconds. (laughs) They're like, (laughs) I want one, Mom.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've seen them. I I got a daughter and a niece and nephew, and they're all in the Legos, of course. So I I can see the the great appeal, Uh, even for myself. But (laughs) I love the Legos. we, we,
1: We did. We got lots of... Um, I have a set of kids in my neighborhood that are good family friends, and so we get them together every few months, and um, go through the latest prototypes, and watch them play, and get their feedback, and so, I mean, you do follow a product development process as well.
0: And can you uh, just describe the MEPR bot, I mean, it attaches onto existing Lego structure, right?
1: Yeah, so it's a, it's a Lego-compatible chassis. So on the chassis are just bricks and studs that are compatible with Lego or Duplo or Technics or Mega You can build anything on it. it. comes with four wheels and motors, and you snap all your Legos on, you pair it to your phone via Bluetooth, and you're off and running.
0: Huh? And Interesting. It, that sounds pretty slick. And so how did you guys design the first MeeperBot, Either the hardware and the software? Um, you know, what iterations yeah. you go through and what did your first products look like versus the one that you're releasing? Um, w- who's manufacturing, like, the hardware? Or you know, or if you're doing it in Wisconsin or where are you doing it?
1: Yeah, so the, the first one, uh, we kind of called it Nipro Bot probably should have been Nipro 0.5, maybe. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs>
1: um, we actually uh, 3D printed the chassis ourselves, um, and actually assembled, designed and assembled all the electronics as well. So we did a, a launch on Indiegogo. We sold out a few hundred of those. Um, got lots of feedback from our supporters. Um, and then went into about a six month cycle for 2.0. Um, and just got feedback from kids like, I don't want to just build on the top. I want to build on the bottom and the front and the back. and I want to change out my Lego wheels and I want a different screen on my app and I want speed and I want lights and I, you know, and we just took all that feedback and, um, went through iterations of design for MikaBot 2.0, did lots, showed lots of people and, uh, did events and activities. We were just at Saturday Science uh, last week and had probably hundreds of kids playing with the bots and just watching them play and how they engaged and what works and what doesn't, and then feeding that back into your product development cycle. So 2.0, we actually have somebody assemble the majority of the electronics for us. Um, we are injection molding all the plastics for the chassis and the uh, wheels and the tires, and so it's a much more polished. Uh, the bricks fit on perfectly. Right, That's really important as you're building um, and so then we do final assembly of those electronics and, uh, injection molded components and package it and ship it. And those are things that we'll outsource here in Wisconsin initially in the next few months.
0: Okay. Interesting. And, and, uh, we're almost out of time, but how do you, I, I'm curious with hardware, especially how do you take in all this feedback about features? Cause I'm sure you have a billion features that kids want, but how do you, uh, Figure out which features to add because it's not like software. We can; it's easier to change on the fly. Once you make a decision about hardware, you kind of have to live with it um, for a while, at least. So uh,
1: yeah, yeah, you, you do, and especially when you start to build tools to injection mold some of these components. Um, we've done a really nice job on the electronics, so the electronics are um, very scalable so lots of different form factors for us. Um, and then on the digital side, there's so much we can do on the digital side with those electronics. So it really comes down to the form factors and doing good design on those because you can't change those as readily um, or it's a little bit higher cost. And so we tried to build this canvas. You know, that's sort of our con- our concept is that it's a canvas for your brick block play and you can put bricks on it anywhere front, Back, you can take out the top, put them on the inside, take out the wheels, put on other wheels. Um, so, those are some of the design concepts, and then that gives us a little more flexibility.
0: Gotcha. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Flexibility helps a lot with hardware. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I could talk all day about this stuff, but uh, I don't know if I <laughs> want to listen to it all day. <laughs> um, so, uh, I guess we should probably. Uh, end the podcast I, I i was curious about some of the other stuff you're working on but maybe we'll have to have you back in a year we can get, we can get a quick update
1: <laughs> yep we'll get it we'll get it a little further along that's right by then
0: that's right all right well Good. we, we uh, appreciate you coming on the show liz all right thanks Dave.
1: Yeah. thanks everyone take
0: care thanks